Four times a year, America gets an economic report card, Gross Domestic Product, or GDP for short. GDP is like a grade on the health of the US economy. But what if I told you a similar report card also comes out every quarter for the average American worker? A grade on how efficient we are at, well, working. Enter the productivity metric. Labor productivity is the amount of output that's produced per hour of work. It sounds like a very sort of technical or even pedestrian kind of thing, but it's actually the key to how well we live. But U.S. productivity has been declining. And the reasons behind the decline from the pandemic, shifting workplace trends to even rising temperatures are up for debate. As we've seen in the recent reports, businesses are actually reporting a downturn in productivity as a result of the work from home environment. The jury is still out as to whether or not work from home constitutes a productivity enhancement or a productivity decline. We hear a lot about burnout. We hear a lot about employee engagement. We hear a lot about kind of the the things that are standing in the way of productivity. Much of the country continues to battle excessive heat with record temperatures nationwide. It's also having a major effect on workplace productivity. I think the probably the biggest reason uh, for the decline in productivity is bringing back on board lower productivity workers. So just how is productivity measured? How effective of a metric is it for economists? What's behind the slowdown in productivity? And what impact does it have on the overall U.S. economy? Labor productivity is output per hour, uh, and it's how many widgets you make in an hour. You can make more widgets in the same amount of time, and you can do that broadly across an economy. It means you're going to live better. The calculation is essentially looking at output growth uh, for the overall economy, generally the non-farm business sector, and comparing that with the hours worked in the same sector. So it's an attempt to figure out you know, how efficient workers are. If you can produce a lot of output with an hour of work, you're very productive. If you can't produce very much, it's quite low. The two sources of growth we have are can you work more hours and can you be more productive in the hours that you work. And what does the metric say about our economy? Productivity sometimes is telling you how efficient you are. You know, the United States has higher productivity than India because workers produce more per hour in the United States than they do um, in India. To sometimes it tells you cyclical things. So for example, if people you know, get nervous and stop going to restaurants, it might look like productivity went down because output per hour went down. It isn't that you're any less efficient than you were before. It's just that you know something bad happened to your economy. Economists agree there are flaws in the metric itself particularly when it comes to the volatility in readings. On a quarterly basis, it's very volatile because if you make a mistake in measuring GDP or you make a mistake in measuring employment or you make a mistake in measuring average hours, you know, any one of those will translate into a mistake in productivity. Productivity measurement is full of lots of flaws and problems. The quarter to quarter, year to year productivity numbers are really flawed. They come back and they adjust them, they, they restate them. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So every quarter it bounces around a lot. That's why economists tend to like to look at it 
over maybe at least a two, three-year period to try to judge what's going on. Economists also say the metric doesn't fully capture productivity in the workplace. From difficulty in calculating work hours to accurately measuring productivity in today's service economy. Our government is so far behind in measurement issues that I personally don't pay too much attention to the official data on productivity. The one thing that makes me worry is that it's hard to define work hours. You might shop online during the day while you're at your office, and you might log on to your computer to finish a memo at night. You know, which of those was recorded as work, which of those was recorded not as work. But in an environment where output is rapidly fluctuating, where hours worked are also rapidly fluctuating, it's even more difficult to get a precise read on productivity growth. Well, I don't think we really know anymore what productivity uh, is accurately because we're a service economy, but we don't really measure the flow of services. Back when we were an industrialized, even agricultural country, it was easy to measure widgets, so to speak. You could do that in uh, bushels of wheat, you could do it in output of cars or output of nuts and bolts, but now the U.S. economy is primarily a service economy, so measuring widgets and measuring the productivity of widgets is very difficult. What happens, how productive is a bank teller? What happens to bank teller productivity when you bring an ATM on board? How productive is an accountant? How much different is that productivity when they have things like accounting software that does a lot of the job for you? So we're currently in an environment uh, where we've seen a significant drop in productivity growth. Over the past five quarters, we've had consecutive quarters of contraction in productivity. And never in the past 60 plus years, the data starts in 1948, have we seen this type of slump in productivity. In the most recent round of data, the Labor Department reported a 3.7 percentage increase in the non-farm productivity in the second quarter of 2023, equal to a 1.3 percentage increase year over year, reflecting a rebound in worker productivity. Now, we have seen somewhat of an uptick in productivity from record low levels. The U.S. economy was seeing a less than half a percentage point of productivity for a prolonged period of time. Slowing labor productivity is not a new issue to the U.S and is an issue that's been raised in the past, as seen from these reports from the Congressional Budget Office and the Boston Federal Reserve Bank in the 1980s and 90s. But economists say the downtrend this time is different. The productivity we've experienced, if you measure it from the end of 2019 to the present, so looking through the pandemic period, has been about um, a 0.8% annual rate. Even the slowdowns that people like CBO were concerned about in the past were productivity more like 1.5 to 2%. So we're quite slow, even compared to the past periods where people angst about the slowdown. That is highly unusual and is reflective of an environment where output growth has slowed, but where the hours worked, the amount of labor that is put into the economy has not slowed nearly as much. So productivity has slumped as a result of that mismatch. Now, one of the first reasons that come to mind for many to explain the decline is the COVID-19 pandemic. Yet some of the workplace changes at the early onset of the pandemic 
from mass layoffs to the shift to remote work, may have actually had the opposite effect on productivity. So productivity growth surged after the pandemic hit. And the reason it surged was because we got rid of or fired or otherwise laid off or sequestered more low productivity workers in the economy. So what was left were the more productive workers. During the initial phase of, of COVID, uh, there was this perspective that people were being much more productive and that productivity growth has actually accelerated during the initial phase of COVID because people were not commuting anymore. A more plausible explanation then could be some of the workplace shifts that happened later on, starting with the Great Resignation to the rehiring of workers as the pandemic subsided, and companies now holding on to their employees amid economic uncertainties. If you look at the employment data, we brought on an awful lot of people back to work and added a whole lot more jobs, you know, more than 2 million jobs so far this year. And with the churn that was very rapid over the 2020, 2021, and even 2022 period, we had a lot of new individuals on the job. And that amount of training, in my opinion, was a constraint on productivity growth because it meant that you had to train the new talent to be as productive as the old talent. It's hard when people A, first start their job and B, when managers have a lot of new workers out there to be as productive as you can. You know, a waiter doesn't know where the water is or where the menus are and then they learn and then they're really efficient at their job. They can wait more tables, but you know, day one or week one, they're not waiting a whole lot of tables. So that's the optimistic version of the slowdown is that lots of workers have switched their jobs in the last couple of years. Conversely, you know, one thing that may have been happening in especially 2022 is businesses were holding on to their workers. This idea of labor hoarding is that over the past 18 months, a lot of business executives have really struggled to hire, train and retain their workforce. And in that environment, they're reticent to let go of that price pool of talent, even if final demand is weakening. Even as sales in some businesses slipped, they were nervous. Will I ever get a worker again? I'm going to hold on to my workers. So sales were slipping. You hold on to your workers um, and productivity goes down. The unsettled economic environment may also be having an adverse impact for worker productivity on an individual level. Right now, we've been navigating an economic recession, the potential of an economic recession. That is distracting for people. People's stress and anxiety levels are higher and therefore their energy is going towards that stress and anxiety. They're going to you know, be looking for other jobs, be nervous, and therefore they're not in their most creative mode. They're not in their most productive mode. They're distracted and they're distressed. Another explanation and perhaps the most optimistic reason is that the productivity boosting tools and technologies simply have not shown up in the data yet. Now there's one big wild card in that, which is the productivity data is probably not showing anything about the recent advances in artificial intelligence. This have not been widely deployed enough throughout the economy to affect the data. Um, that is some real upside potential. It's been said for 30 years that uh, we know the computers are more productive, but where does that show up in the economy? This was a puzzle that one of the great economists of our age, Robert Solow, the Nobel laureate, put already in the 1980s. The so-called uh, Bob Solow paradox, in which Bob Solow said famously that the computer age in the 1990s was visible everywhere except in the statistics. And we had to wait until the early 2000s 
to see a very strong acceleration in productivity growth in the actual economic data. You do not want to be for a prolonged period of time in an environment where productivity remains quite weak because weak productivity tends to lead to weaker living standards. And that is exactly the opposite that anyone wants to wish upon any economy. Um, sluggish productivity means sluggish growth. It means sluggish wage growth and increase in livings and standards. It means a much more bigger challenge in managing our public debt and our deficits. It matters for just about everything in the economy. On the flip side, strong labor productivity can present a major growth opportunity for the U.S. economy. Economists at McKinsey and Company say boosting U.S. productivity and regaining historical rates of productivity growth could add as much as $10 trillion to U.S. GDP between now and 2030. Strong productivity gives you faster economic growth. It gives you a faster increase in living standards. It makes your debt more manageable. Um, it's just about the most important thing in an economy. The stronger your potential growth is, the stronger your potential income growth is also going to be. And so if you're producing twice as much per hour as you were before, you're probably going to be paid about twice as much per hour um, as you were before. And that means that households across the country will typically benefit from an environment where they have stronger income growth and where they have also reduced inflationary pressures. So the best of both worlds in terms of higher nominal income and reduced inflationary pressures, which boosts inflation-adjusted income and supports higher living standards. In general, our economy is so transformed in what it does, how we live, how we work, how we shop, that we really are not comparing accurately year to year in meaningful ways right now. We need an overhaul of the basic national accounts. And one of the difficulties with productivity is there's not really a dial that policymakers have. You know, if the inflation rate is too high, the Fed raises interest rates. If the unemployment rate is too high, the Fed cuts interest rates. There's no dial like that for productivity growth. That when we're asking what's really happening to how we produce and what the, uh, what the, the changes in goods and services uh, are, we were not measuring these things very accurately anymore. And I think that is certainly one of the areas where there could be further improvements, measuring the intangible part of the economy, things that pertain to uh, the digitalization of the economy. So to my mind, we should be uh, improving what we're measuring, and then we could decide what the real puzzles are after we get the measurements a little bit better. So while completely overhauling the productivity metric may not seem eminent, there are practical ways to improve productivity that could set companies and the U.S. economy up for long-term success. I think we do have a new generation of folks coming into the workforce who, who don't want to work the way that we've worked. And, and I think that's okay in the sense that I think we might need to disrupt the way that we're working in, in ways that are important. So companies have to figure out how to best manage things like remote work. And um, on a public policy level, 
you know, there's no one lever, but more investments in research and development, more investments in infrastructure, and, and, and ultimately education is just a huge, huge factor um, in this, but that takes a while for it to change and make its way through the economy. If we really took a step back and challenged the way we worked and the way that we think of value creation, we could create a lot more value in, in ways that actually are more humane, frankly. Humans are energetic beings. They have a certain amount of energy and that energy can be applied to a myriad of things. And if we're burning down on the energy constantly, we're in an energy crisis. And I think we are. And I think we need a reset on how we use energy and how we leverage it in order to actually create a better paradigm. For now, as companies look for ways to boost productivity growth, economists agree the outlook is a positive one. My guess is we're going to be in a period of sustained, better productivity growth because I think we have to. I'm actually quite encouraged by the prospects for productivity growth, and it might sound a bit of a paradox amidst today's slump in productivity growth to be optimistic about the outlook. Um, yes, we have higher rates from the Fed. Yes, we have a slowing economy. But meanwhile, we have this offset from better functioning. The economy's functioning better, less supply chain frictions, much lower labor turnover. All of that spells a productivity dividend for companies. Uh, and that's the secret sauce of non-inflationary growth. We are in an environment where cost constraints are still very much present for businesses and business leaders. That will put a lot of the focus, a lot of the emphasis on improving workflows and ensuring that the existing workforce is as efficient as possible. So at least for the near term, I think we're set for a pretty positive performance in the U.S. economy as, as we just operate better and more efficiently. The worker shortage that's out there and the need for workers to become more productive, I think companies will respond and workers will respond and become more productive because they have to.